This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. During the pandemic, psychologists have reported bigger workloads and longer wait lists. But they say there aren't enough workers to meet the demand. Illinois has been hit particularly hard by this labor shortage. The current workforce can meet the needs of only about a quarter of residents. And millions of people are living in areas with too few mental health providers. That's according to the latest data from the U.S. Health Resources and Services Administration. Later, we're going to hear from two social services organizations working to ease the pressure here in the Chicago area. But first, joining us now is Alexa James, executive director of NAMI Chicago. That is the Chicago chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Hi, Alexa. Welcome back. Hi, Sasha. How are you? Doing well. So good to have you on. Uh, remind Thank us, you know, NAMI Chicago has this helpline and it offers peer-led support groups and, and classes across the city. I wonder if you've seen that the demand. True. Yeah. Have you seen the demand for these services go up, though, over the course of the pandemic? Yes. And over the course of the last decade, for sure. Wow. Uh, but absolutely, in the beginning of the pandem- pandemic, we saw a significant increase for people who really just actually didn't even necessarily know what they needed. Um, they just knew that they were fr- afraid and hurting and feeling very unstable. How has your staff kept up with the demand? We are very tired. Uh, we've grown a lot. I mean, fortunately, there's people who want to work in this space. Uh, we have a workforce shortage of mental health professionals, but, you know, NAMI kind of has flipped the question. You know, you're absolutely right that there's always been a shortage, Sasha, like always, always, always. There's mm-hmm. always been a wait list. And what I think is a, a unnerving for people now is that there's a wait list for private practices. You know, before, if you wanted to see a therapist and you could afford it or you had the right private insurance, you could get it in a week or two. That's just not the case anymore. Part of that is because mental health professionals themselves are burnt out. And the other issue is we are thinking about mental health in the wrong way. And what we ask at NAMI is what makes you well, not what do you need to manage your symptoms? Yeah. And it's a much, you know, and actually those statistics are even scarier, right? Because then you're talking about food insecurity and housing and peer support. So our staff is diversified. We have clinicians, but we also have peer support. We also have public health professionals. And so together we we uniform in this like interdisciplinary strategy to support people in what they need in that moment, no matter um, no matter what the services are available in their space. Well, Alexa, you say that mental health therapists are tired. You say that they're burnt out. So do mental health therapists have their own therapists? Yes, we do. And if you don't, please call us. Yeah, we're frontline workers. I mean, somebody said that to me the other day, and they're right. We haven't stopped. We have not stopped. And you will see this in other social service. You know, I know you're talking to somebody else later, too. Um, and the heaviness and the compassion fatigue, you know, we're good at our job because we carry, we have empathy and we're empaths. And so we own a lot of the pain from other folks too. And so it's been really important for us in the last few years to reinvest in employee wellness and what does that mean? And what's interesting too is we're also getting a lot of calls from organizations, both corporate and social services to say, can you come in and help us redefine our culture of wellness and help us create a strategy? Um, we're resilient, I hope. Um, I think that part of being running a company, particularly in the healthcare space, the responsibility of the leader is to have enough insight to know what their people need yeah. and also to have enough insight to let people share what they need in terms of accommodation. The federal government's identified about 200 areas in this state that don't have enough mental health providers, areas with um, rural health clinics, correctional centers, and low-income populations struggled with the greatest needs. Uh, So in Chicago, Mm -hmm. that means uh, 
Auburn Gresham, Washington Heights, Englewood, mm-hmm. West Englewood, mm-hmm. um, the Chicago suburb, Cicero. That's another priority area. I want to play a little clip for you. We got a message from Katie Bartholomew about the challenges that she and her staff are facing at the uh, Family Service and Mental Health Center of Cicero. Let's listen to that. We are seeing an extraordinary demand for our service at this time. There's always been a high need, but this is really unlike anything I've seen in over 20 years of community mental health. We're trying to hire two additional therapists to try to meet the demand for services, and it's been a real challenge. We get good candidates, but the job market is so competitive that it's really been hard for us to fill those positions. We also need bilingual Spanish-speaking clinicians, and so that has also been another barrier for hiring. So, Alexa, what can we do to to recruit and retain mental health workers? Because it's one thing to recruit them, but we got to keep them. Yeah, that's totally right. I think, um, you know, let's get through this triage and at the same time talk to associations as well as universities. Chicago is really equipped with incredible clinical graduate school programs. And so we need to have conversations with them about what does it look like to do some stronger recruitment efforts? What kind of skills as CEOs, like of, of what she just said, what are they looking for and how can they enhance their education processes? You know, we really need more peer support. And we know that a lot of people are both peer support and clinicians. Like, how do we merge those? I also think that we have to build stronger um, supervision networks. And what I mean by that is outside of just your general supervision that you have at at work, which, by the way, most people don't even get that, Mm -hmm. um, what type of wellness services are provided to people um, to help them process and build resilience and for their caregivers? When I was at the police department, you know, we talked a lot about involving caregivers in the processes of police officers' work so that they understand how to hold and love their police officer, partner, roommate, et cetera, you know, after seeing terrible trauma for the day. I think the other thing we have to do is give people in mental health other opportunities for growth. Um, You can get really burnt out when you're doing one thing all day long. And so getting them interested or allowing them to have exposure in other parts of organizations can be helpful. And we have to pay them more. We have to pay them more. And we have to have reimbursement structure in place so that we can. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that is Alexa James with NAMI Chicago. Alexa, thank you for stopping by. Thank you. Let's turn now to two social service organizations that are not only helping Chicago residents with basic needs, but they're also connecting them to mental health services. On the line with us is Natalie Rahman, Director of Behavioral Health at the Inner City Muslim Action Network, or IMAN. She's also a licensed family and marriage therapist. Natalie, welcome to Reset. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Jenny Hull, Chief Program Officer for Lakeview Pantry. She's also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. You were both listening along to our conversation with Alexa there. Natalie, what's your experience been like with burnout? Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy that first and foremost that we're talking about this because this is just a it's a huge concern amongst the field that oftentimes you know, the, the feel is, is highlighted as far as what we need to do for the patients, but as far as the care, um, the, the healers are often overlooked. Um, and, you know, the way that I see it is really looking at the preventative and direct responses to just really radically reimagining what wellness means in the workplace. And as Alexis had mentioned, you know, the clinical supervision, making sure that we're also leaning into the alternative ways to provide care mm-hmm. um, and also leaning into the therapist and what they're 
purpose is and what is it that they enjoy doing as well so that, um, again, we can, we can mitigate that burnout and just that compassion fatigue that we often do see. And then also just lobbying for social change and policy reform. Um, oftentimes, just reimbursement for, for therapy sessions is at a third of a medical rate. And so it's really difficult even for us to even keep our doors open if also we're not getting reimbursed um, at the rate that we should be. Jenny, you and your staff do very stressful work. How do you handle it? Yes, so um, we are we are really blessed. We're a little bit different of a model. We actually do not currently accept insurance or Medicaid or Medicare. We are completely free, which really allows us to be able to um, you know structure our caseloads and work with our clients in the way that we best see fit. And I think that really helps people to feel like they have some control. So it's not just a sense of how many people can you see, but what's the right number for you. Um, we have a really robust internship program, and I think that's the place where you can really teach people to take care of themselves and not get burnout. I always tell people, like, it's my goal to keep you in this field and not have you leave because you're going to be incredible. Um, and so I think it's also not one size fits all. Every clinician that I work with has a different mm-hmm. uh, balance that they need and a different, a different way that they need to work. So I think it's really important, especially, especially right now because things are so stressful, but to listen and get to know what people are needing and making sure that you're able to get that to them. Who does Lakeview Pantry serve, Jenny, and what kind of help are those folks seeking from you guys? So we, uh, our name's a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, we serve more than Lakeview. We serve the entire city of Chicago, and we obviously do more than food. Um, the fact that we are a food pantry, though, is a good way to get people in the door. And because they can just come in and get food and then see, hey, these people seem pretty nice. I actually might be interested in talking to somebody about something else that's going on in my life. Um, our clients range in age from uh, probably 15 to as old as, as old as our oldest client, which is probably, you know, a senior mm-hmm. um, all over the city. And with telehealth, we can reach so many more people, too. It's just easier for people to access us. We have four locations. Uh, We do a lot of our work in Humboldt Park because we know that's an area of need, as well as Avondale. And we're looking at some more of the south and west sides of the city to work with, too. Are are your clients receptive to to getting connected to mental health services? Yes, I think I think the pantry part really helps, like I said, because people might that might be their first kind of uh, visit with us is to, to, to come in for some kind of food service and then say, wow, people here seem pretty trustworthy and I'm feeling comfortable um, so I think that helps. It also helps with the anonymity. So someone can come here and someone is imagining they're coming here for, for groceries and they're actually getting maybe some domestic violence support. Yeah. Natalie, your organization focuses on, on providing services to communities of color living on Chicago's South Side. What are the immediate needs of people who come to Iman? Um, what we've seen specifically um, after the pandemic was just the increase in need of the food insecurity, job insecurity, and housing insecurities um, that oftentimes are, again, plaguing our communities. And, you know, when they come in seeking those type of services, that's when we're able to then address um, the holistic, uh, integrative approach um, for, for the individuals. You know, Englewood is one of the areas that we talked about earlier that uh, are facing the, the biggest shortage of mental health providers. And I know that all of your employees, Natalie, at, at the Food and Wellness Center in Englewood, they're trained to look for signs of trauma. So why was it important to make that a part of their skill set? Yeah, I mean, that was extremely important for us because first and foremost, we need to meet people where they're at. We need to rise you know, up to, to the demands and being able to, to train our staff to, 
to be able to recognize those signs so that they can um, do those warm handoffs with us, be able to have um, that conversation with them about, you know, just not those immediate needs, but mm-hmm. overall, what is the well, what does wellness look like? And so it was really important for us to be able to train not only um, our food and wellness staff, but Iman as a whole um, in being trauma informed so that, again, we're able to to assist even from the beginning, even from like the security to the front desk staff to any individual who are coming in through our doors where we're able to um, assess, right, even if it's not um, through uh, a clinical lens, but so that we're able to to link them to those services that are needed. Jenny, last fall, Lakeview Pantry actually received a city health department grant to uh, to hire more full-time therapists. What are the details there? Um, we are so fortunate to have that grant. It really allowed us to expand. We had one therapist and lots of interns before, and now we have four full-time therapists and are able to spread out throughout the city. Um, they also, I have to say, you know, this conversation especially is making me think of this. The city is so clear on the fact that they want to they want to make sure that therapists are paid well, and they also want to make sure that people are getting the professional development that they need to, um, and kind of piggybacking on what Alexa said about just making sure that the supervision is really good. There's so many supportive services they built into that program that are helping our staff to make sure that they are taking care of themselves and getting the resources that they need as well. So I just have to, I have to say that that grant has been so impactful for us and has helped us reach so many more people. How is it helping you meet the changing mental health needs of Chicagoans? So similar to, to, yes, the funding, because because we are, we don't accept any insurance or Medicaid or Medicare. It just allows us to have that free opportunity for people. And so many of our, of the folks we're working with right now, you know, especially during the pandemic, it's, it is, you know, kind of of like we're talking about, it's this trauma-informed piece. You know, it's knowing that someone may not even be able to articulate that they're looking for mental wellness services, Mm -hmm. but they're coming in and looking for support, or they're feeling really isolated and they really don't even know that a therapist could really help with that or a group could help with that. Natalie, is there a coordinated effort among social service organizations like yours and, and mental health agencies in Chicago and Illinois? Um. I think that there is. I think we can do way better um, with that. Yeah. Um, to be to be quite frank with you, I think oftentimes, again, because we're so bogged down with like making sure that we're able to meet the demands, um, that sometimes you know it can be seen as siloed. Um, but being able to to lean on those counterparts and specifically even in our own area, because um, we're a federally qualified health center and we provide short term therapy. Um, oftentimes, we need to make referrals for those long term therapies therapy um, patients. And so we do have uh, entities who were able to make referrals to. I'll give you the last word here, Jenny. Moving forward, what does that partnership need to look like just to ensure that we're meeting more of people's mental health needs? Yeah, I think it's it's getting to know the providers in your area and getting to know your own network and then, you know, working with clients to help them to understand what's available to them as well. Um, and working together. I know that's a big part of, of the grant re- re- I'm sorry, we received from the city is to work together in that way and to work specifically with medical providers or, or other folks who maybe are not, who are seeing something and then connecting people to the right resource, um, specifically if it's something that, that is local and close to people. That's Jenny Hull with Lakeview Pantry and Natalie Rahman with the Inner City Muslim Action Network. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.